Right, New Year, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode five, six, five, episode five of Chin Up. Um, hope you all had a good Christmas. We had a great Christmas, didn't we? We ate a bit too much, though. We did, but is it too much? Uh, not if you, not if you um, entering next year's world's strongest man. No. <laughs> Getting to that two hundred kilo mark, yeah. Mate, I was I was a hundred kilos on your scales on Christmas Day, and I haven't been that for probably about four years. So um, yeah, good good food though, mate. You did a good beef Wellington. Very enjoyed that. Yeah, well, it was not blowing my own trumpet, but it was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, good job. Both fell on both fell asleep on the couch in front of Harry Potter, didn't we? Um, yeah, rock and roll lifestyle. Yeah, it was good. I tell you what, I have to say though, I had one of the worst three days of January blues I think maybe I've ever had. And I don't know whether it was to do with like the the lockdown news again, or just I think I think it was that to be fair. Just that sort of you know you wake up and you go, oh god, it's January. And it was a, it was all a bit anticlimactic, wasn't it? I think we all had this expectation of, you know, twenty twenties behind us, and then I I don't think we were being unrealistic about it, but I think we were hoping for more positive things, weren't we, going into twenty twenty one and didn't quite happen with a national lockdown about four days in yeah it was immediately shit and then obviously like america's on fire and it's just, <laughs> just terrible news and i was like oh my god so I, I said to you yesterday i was like right i need to get out so luckily i've been out for for walks with your lovely girlfriend i've been doing a bit of cardio and that has just brought me out of the slump because honestly i was like eeyore from winnie the pooh for about two days i just sat at home and was really? just yeah mate really low but i'm all right just just obviously when you've got plans, I was like, right, let's get on it. We've got some filming stuff to do. We've got travel plans to make. And then within a day, it was like, boom, done. And you're just thinking, again, how long are we going to be in this situation for? When's the end point? Because if you've got an end point, you sort of know. And I guess we're closer to it with a vaccine, aren't we? But it's just it's just frustrating. And I guess everyone's probably feeling the same. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the uh, it was all kind of swept from out from under us, wasn't it? It was a little but bit, yeah. But you as think? you say, the end's, the end's in sight, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully, yeah. at least that, that's looking like our most realistic way out, isn't it? Yeah. So what's, what's happened with the gym then? Have you opened or I guess I guess did you, you didn't open at all because we were still in tier four, right? Exactly, yeah. So going from when were we mid-December, we went into tier four. So yeah, post-New Year was just a, a continuation of that, really. But um, obviously, it, it's, it's now tier four plus, isn't it? And I think a lot of my in-person clients have got a lot more uh childcare issues to contend with now makes sometimes training a little bit difficult um so yeah so yeah it's it's not quite the same as tier four is it but like it's um certainly from a gym point of view it's similar to before christmas and new year um yeah okay mate um so today we were going to do a little q a aren't we so thank you to all of you who have sent questions on my twitter and facebook and i guess your instagram and facebook yep exactly Um, have you got some good ones? I've got a few good ones. Yeah, brilliant. Good mix of stuff as well, actually. Do you want to um, kick us off then? What's your first one? Sure. So, um, I think we're all having this problem. And I think regardless of whether in lockdown or not, I think we'd be having this issue. So, this one is how to train in lockdown in the winter months. So, specifically, dark mornings, dark evenings. So, I would say, if we, we can probably break it down into two parts, can't we? So, how to train in lockdown. So, this is obviously with the presumption that you don't have access to as much kit or at least not the same training environment. I would say best thing to do is to try and keep it routine just as you would have done prior to, to lockdown. So 
you might have been training straight after work, you might have been training as soon as you get up, um, and to try and foster some sort of training environment at home as well. So maybe if you're lucky enough to have the space for like a garage or an outbuilding or a room which is perhaps a bit more dedicated to training in, I think that's quite good just to keep you in the um, in that environment which is conducive to training. Um, I think that's a that's a pretty good way of doing it. Um, and then also, uh, as I say, just to elaborate on a little bit more, try and do it at a similar kind of time as well. So whatever routine you might have kept before, try and uh, continue that. And if you haven't yet developed a routine, try, try and do so. So literally, if you've got a window of time, which is particularly convenient, try and just get that going as a habit. So it might be if it's something you want to prioritize first thing in the morning before work can can work quite well. Um, or you might be more of, um, right, if you're not much of an early riser, you might want to do it kind of around the five o'clock mark after work. Um, but whatever time you do choose, just try and keep it routine. Try not to make it too haphazard and open to chance. Um, I think that's the best way of going about it. Yeah. First lockdown as well, in terms of exercises, obviously it's, it's difficult when you haven't got access to whatever you normally have in terms of barbell or if you if you want to use machines. But I actually felt like I made some decent progress with just the basics, you know, press-ups, um, sit-ups and leg raises, um, burpees, like bodyweight squats, and obviously trying to put in a structure where you're still putting in a bit of progressive overload. And obviously you can't do it with weight, so you do it with reps and you do it maybe with, um, I've just seen Joe Birch, by the way, um, <laughs> just walking along to your, your business partner, um, or with, um, say, reducing the rest in between sets, things like that, so that you feel like you've got a plan of this is what I've done today and I'm going to add a little bit more on tomorrow. And obviously, if you've got six or eight weeks at home, which we may have, you can actually still make a good amount of, of progress in that time. So use your environment. If you've got tins of beans, doing things like lateral raises or even just light press, it's better than, than doing it with nothing. And if you're improving the reps and, and reducing the rest, then you're, you're going to make some progress, aren't you? I think mean, that's the thing, isn't it? And I think a theme which was very much apparent in our last podcast, talking about injury, trying to focus on what you can do rather than what you can't. So whatever you do have access to, use it. So even if it's putting, as you say, Chris, putting tins of beans in a bag for life to load it up, you know, if you want to do uh, some like lateral raises, uh, you might be able to do some bicep curls with it, upright rows, um, weights in a backpack can work pretty well for loading up your legs as well. Yes, I'm not for one second going to say it's the most ideal thing in the world, but it's probably the best thing we've got and therefore we've got to capitalise on it. I think that's the uh, that's the thing to remember. And also, you have to think outside the box a little bit as well with your exercise selection. So, mm. again, you might not be doing the stuff that you want to do in the gym. So, let's say, for example, you're training chest, you love to do bench, but you haven't got a bench and weights at home, then, of course, you're going to have to maybe start to think about weighted push-up variations, deficit push-up variations, handstand push-up variations, whatever it might be, just some sort of way to uh, continue to overload your, your pecs or whatever. Um, and then I think as well, so in relation to this question, talking about dark mornings and evenings, it can be that that bit harder, can't it, to get yourself up for it in the morning or, or the evening. Um, yeah. We don't, don't have as much light. You're not feeling quite as awake. You might have like a, a bit of SAD as well, um, where you're, you're just not feeling quite up for it. Mood's a bit low, not feeling motivated. Um, but I think again, like the the best thing to to tackle this, provided that your your low mood is kind of like a, a subclinical level, is just again to get into that habit. You know, perhaps um, perhaps maybe think about doing a bit of exercise outside. I know it's not particularly inviting at the moment because it's freezing, and the weather's not on your side. But getting out and about, trying to get in a bit of sunlight where possible, boost that mood, and it might leach over into other other aspects. Might make you a bit more up for, for doing some yeah. training. 
that's been a game changer. Like just getting out. In, it's a nice, quite a nice, bright day today. Getting out for a walk and just just getting air in the lungs. And like, I, there's an old phrase that we used to have at Athletics: "Be bold, start cold." So if you're going to go on a run, and you kind of feel like you might need three layers because it's cold, but actually put a couple on, get yourself moving because you'll be grateful once your your body will get warm, and then you'll be grateful you've got the mobility and stuff of. And you come back and you feel a different person, come back, have a shower, and then it's like your whole body's reset, you get a sweat on, your skin breathes, you open your lungs up, blood's pumping, and suddenly a lot of the stress and anxieties and that horrible feeling of stagnation, which we all get a bit over Christmas because it's the time where we relax and we just let ourselves let ourselves just chill and eat what we want, you, you almost just want to break out of that little bit of stagnation and getting some air in the lungs and the blood moving is, is a good way to do that. Absolutely. And I think as well, a lot of the time it's the getting started bit that's the hardest part once you overcome that inertia and get going so much easier isn't it so and i think again if you can prove to yourself that you know what i can do it that habit becomes so much easier to get into play and it'll get easier each time as well yeah 100 um what's our what's our next one crikey uh matthew wilkinson what is the best mental health advice you've ever been given um Crikey, do you know what? I haven't, I haven't even thought about that, and I've been given so much good advice. Is there anything you can think that's come to mind? Um, I think like mental health advice that I've been given to for like for myself to follow. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, I will probably say certainly like my in my older years, like since I've started working, is to kind of not put as much high expectation on yourself and, and pressure. Um, I think, especially being self-employed, it's really, um, it can be quite toxic, that whole pressure and attitude of always wanting to do better, always wanting to develop. We've got this huge industry now of the whole like um, self-development side of things. Mm. And it puts that pressure on you to always move forward, always push forward. But actually, sometimes there is absolutely nothing wrong and it's even beneficial to, to stop where you are, take stock of where you've got to and um and enjoy being there rather than just constantly thinking like no this isn't good enough got to push forward got to push forward um because of course in its very nature you can only improve so much anyway like if you're always chasing that next thing um you're, you're probably gonna end up being quite disappointed there's nothing yeah. wrong with with kind of being happy with where you're at for the time being yeah 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 it's, it's life's a no-win game it's not like a monopoly where there's a winner like you could become ceo of a company you haven't won you you, you have to you have to enjoy the journey and the process and that's the that's the key and that's what you said in the in i think one of our previous episodes about the 666 challenge it's not so much about the end goal of course it would be nice to do it but it's about the process if you didn't enjoy the process you wouldn't be able to do it because the commitment it takes the time it takes the, the dedication and all the little nuances and things you have to get right you couldn't do that unless you enjoyed it, it just wouldn't be possible so no, no for sure in everyday life Try and find a routine that's sustainable for you that you enjoy. Um, one of the best bits of advice, now I think of it, I don't think I've ever been given it, but I heard it and I thought that's such a good point, is that, that mental health, as we know, doesn't discriminate. But I do believe that you can put yourself in a position to be able to deal with things better by making sure you've got a certain number of things that are in place. And that's, you know, we, we talk here about exercise and about eating correctly. I, I know personally, and this is all I can speak from, is that, if I eat well, I eat cleanly and I'm drinking the water that I should and I'm getting the sleep and the rest that I should and I've, within my control, reduced the stress that I can to, to a minimum. If if something hits me, if I have a day like I did a couple of days ago where I just feel low, 
I can deal with it because I'm healthy, I'm of sound mind, my life's good. So if there are things in your life that aren't in place, if you feel that your weight's giving you problems and that's leading to self-esteem issues, start start looking at where you're going wrong. Start looking at the foods that you're eating. Start looking at, am I doing enough exercise? What could I be doing with my time? And the number of people I've spoken to that have changed those elements of their lives and realized that that was a big part of their self-esteem and where things were going wrong. And it's not to say that if you're in great physical health and you, you know you look good and, and you've got a good job, that you still couldn't have mental health problems. Of course you could, but you have to give yourself a fighting chance. And if you're putting toxic food in your body, loading yourself up with processed food, sugars, not exercising, you're sitting in front of the TV every day, chances are you're putting yourself in a negative state where you're, you're kind of be more predisposed to when those problems arise, then spiraling into something that you, you can't deal with or you don't feel like you're in a position to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think uh, as well as just to add to that, it's about having that, that balance present as well, isn't it? So if you, uh, let's say for example, if you do find like you are eating a lot more kind of perhaps treat type foods than you'd, than you'd like to, just trying to realize that it's not necessarily a case of you know completely removing those from your diet it's literally just trying to bring things back into the middle a little bit more um and you know trying to um as you say give yourself a fighting chance if you're in a position to do so so if you are of sound mind um obviously that's fantastic but if not you know, there's nothing wrong with reaching out to ask for some professional help as well yeah um <clears throat> do you want to go next yes um any thoughts on EDT as a training method of hypertrophy? So EDT stands for escalating density training, I believe. And that's basically where you're trying to do um, a certain amount of work in a fixed time period. So let's say for example, you have got two exercises, you've got bench press and bent over row, one's training chest, one's training back, to put it quite crudely. Um, and you're going to do sets of eight to 10 on each, and you've got to do as many sets as you can in 15 minutes. So that's what EDT training is. Okay, so you've got fixed block of time, and you've got an exercise or exercises of a certain reps to do uh, within that time period. So it can be a really useful me method for hypertrophy. I think especially if you're prone to uh, struggling to manage your time during your sessions, so if you find it difficult to stay on point, stay on task, you find that you're doing a bit too much, like scrolling for Instagram during your rest periods and your sessions are just dragging out for ages. Nothing focuses the mind quite like plonking a time on your phone and literally just blitzing out some work in that time period. So if we think about what we currently think we need to do for hypertrophy, we need to be working at a reasonable intensity. We need to be making sure that our reps are quite close to failure or at failure. Um, and the more of those reps we can do while still recovering, the likelihood is we get more hypertrophy. So if we've been able to do that um, within like a, a fixed time period, then it's gonna work really well. Um, but I think the main benefit of EDT is literally from the time management perspective. I don't think there's anything magical about um, what that time period actually is um but yeah i think that's probably where the benefit lies so yeah if you do want to use something like edt as a structure for your program perfect but it's not like uh um it's not magic i do i do think not enough people are, are sort of use time rests and i remember as days as an athlete the question was rarely what what distances are we running for what reps it was what's the rest and you soon got to know that it was all about what the rest is and that 
once you get fit, you realise that the difference between two minutes rest and three minutes rest on a given exercise could be a total game changer. And could Batman, actually, yeah, it's a key variable. Yeah, it's a key variable. And I don't think enough people necessarily think about that when they're training. They just think, oh, I've done a set, I'll have a bit of rest or whatever. But actually, is it four minutes rest? Is it two minutes rest? Is it 45 seconds rest? Because you're going to put different stresses on, on your body. Um, so yeah, even just the concept of actually timing your rest, if you genuinely want to improve and know, has that, ha have I actually improved this week? Um, it is, a, I think, just a really good idea. Um, yeah, no, for sure. And it just, just adds out really quickly to that one. I think for hypertrophy, it's a good, a good method. Um, I think there's, there's a, a few studies looking at um, rest periods on hypertrophy and slot, I believe, uh, that slightly longer rest periods tend to be more effective for hypertrophy. But training studies typically are quite poor in their design. Like they don't really use very real world applicable um, participants. They don't really go on for long enough. So it's really hard to ascertain that the intervention is actually what's causing the difference between two groups of people. Um, but I would just, my, anyway, sorry, my point was going to be that for strength, it probably wouldn't be quite so good. I think for strength, it's much nicer to say to yourself, right, I've got to do, um, this is what my program says, it might be five sets of three at 85% of my one rep max. And um, I'm not going to give myself fix, uh, sorry, fixed rest periods. Um, I'm just going to go when I'm ready. I think that's a better well, approach for something like strength. And yeah, because you need the quality there for, for those kind of, for those kind of reps, it's, it's more about strength than endurance. You need to make sure you're rested and ready for that set. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, in a, in a, not a dissimilar vein, this is a good question. Uh, Dan says, when I get to my heaviest set, I worry uh, the previous sets have fatigued me and I'm not able to rep as much as I might have done because of the reps I've done before. However, I can't go straight into a heavy set without building up with lighter sets for fear of injury. Is this a normal problem? Is there a middle ground? Well, I'll start with this because... I think that's a common, not a mistake, but it, it's certainly a common limiting factor for people who are wanting to improve strength at the top end. It, okay, let's say, let's say you're doing a squat and you're doing four sets of, of eight and your top sets, for argument's sake, 120 kilos. Well, if that's a nine RP for you, so, so essentially quite near your top end, you, you don't want to waste energy on those previous sets. So you don't want to be doing really uh, eight sets at 100 eight sets at 110 you know and then eight sets at 120 you, you really want to save the energy you have got for that top working set especially if you're you're close to your sort of your maximal range so in terms of sets when we're when we're building up let's say that top set is 120 we would do something like you do maybe six or seven reps at 60 just to open the, the legs and the hips up so, so maybe 30 40 percent of your of your max just so you, you feel the weight you feel the bar get the legs moving then you would do you know maybe two or three reps at 80 you might do one or two reps at 100 you then do one rep at 110 and then you go into your top working set you find you prime the muscles so everything's everything's ready to go you've gone through the weights you've, you've got your body used to, to the load so it's not a shock when you then unrack your, your, your top weight for your top set you then get your eight reps done without the fatigue of having done you know what 24 reps already then you can go back and do a back offset, which I think is probably more beneficial. And also if you were doing a back offset at 110, you might go and get 12 reps there and it will feel lighter because you've just lifted 120. And ultimately you've, you've hit the best reps at the highest load, which is where you're going to get the most benefit and the gains. And that's where you're going to improve. So 
I don't know if he's got anything to add to that, but that's my take on that. On that no, that, I mean, that's, but I pretty much agree wholeheartedly with that. No sink, you know, you just need to remind yourself what actually is the point of warming up. The point of warming up is to potentiate yourself for that top set rather than for getting yourself worn out for your top set. So you, as your weight increases, as more comes on the bar, your reps should drop for your warm-ups, just as you point out, um, to get yourself in the best possible position to perform as well as you can for your working sets. Spot on. Um, you got one? I do. Um, so just to give this one a bit of context, my and Chris's relationship is basically purely based on the office quotes and Adam Partridge quotes. So uh, that's why this question's asked. Um, best quote from um, The Office or Adam Partridge? Right, or say, okay. let's, say, let, let's do both. Let's say and Brent and Partridge. Well, what, for, for Alan Partridge, I mean, Christ, it's just this half my life, this. Um, I think anything that can be used in a practical sense, which most of them can. So I'll often try and put you off. So say we're walking through the door at the same time, I'll put my hand up and go, probably me next. Or I'll tell you to, I'll just go, close your mouth, Lynn. <laughs> um, the office, to be honest, most of it, uh, the, the most beneficial element I get of the office is the looks. So sometimes like, I'm in the studio and there's people in the press who love the office, but I can't say anything because we're, we're on air. So say we've, say we've like had our chat in the studio, we've thrown to a VT or a pre-recorded interview or whatever, and then I've got 30 seconds. I'll just try and catch someone's eye and just, and that's all, that's all you need. That's all you need, son. Just a look. Um, oh, it's just a look, mate. And you just change someone's whole day. So that, that is the thing, is it? Like, even though it's superbly quotable, the thing that makes it so good is that for either Brent or Alan, you've we've all known someone either like them or have mannerisms like them so as soon as you like might spot something in everyday life and you're with a mate and you can point it out it's just excellent so good and it, yeah. if if, you, if you're like either of them you've you've got problems yeah exactly yeah I feel like either of them what are you doing in your life um uh what we got here we've got don who's asked are there any lower back strengthening exercises that can be done at home I suffer horribly these days. It'd be nice to build a bit of extra support around my lower spine. Well, the thing is, it's not just about the, like your erector spine here, essentially is your, your lower back muscles, but it's it's really about your core. And I've, I read a couple of studies about like the correlation between core stiffness and, you know, minimizing lower back injuries. And I think really you've got to see it as one, it's your trunk, isn't it? It's making sure that everything around there is is solid. Um, I don't really know how much we can go into specific exercises on Zoom here, but do you, is there any like um, sources or references you could like supply, JB? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the best way to come at this is from my point of view. So I'm a I'm a PT and an SNC coach, like by qualification. So if someone were to come to me with pain, I it wouldn't be my job to treat that pain. However, training generally should increase someone's confidence it should increase their muscular strength both of which may have positive effects on their pain so for example if you feel like you're um let's say you've got back pain but you come into the gym and some back pain is tolerable to deadlifting so let's say that one person doesn't particularly get back pain when they're in extension and they manage to deadlift and you know you as as your as your trainer 
part of your job is to kind of gas your client up and help them get excited about training and stuff. And they might think, oh, brilliant. Yeah, this um, that set went really well managing to deadlift. Maybe my back isn't so much of a problem. And they might come in the, um, they might wake up the next morning, sorry, and feel like, oh, I'm not in, not in any pain anymore. Um, so that's kind of like the approach I take rather than say, right, you need to do um, increase your core stability, your core stiffness. I would just look to get someone moving in a way in which they can do reasonably pain-free and tolerably um, and look to get them strong doing those exercises. That would personally be the way I'd look at it. And I've, I think a really good place to start, look, at the moment we're in lockdown, plenty of walking, um, lots lots of kind of like movement you can do throughout the day, try not to just sit in one posture or position, um, get yourself moving, look to um, move your body through like a, as big a range of motion as you can. So stuff like some bodyweight squats, some split squats, um, and I, yeah, I think that's a, a really, really good place to start. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, got a good one here on active recovery. So this is a bit, be good to hear a bit more about active recovery. Uh, Eddie Hall um, once said that training for World's Strongest Man, he would recover harder than anyone. Uh, any thoughts on recovering hard in the absence of quality sleep? I'm not quite sure I know exactly what you mean there, but obviously in terms of active recovery, um, it, it's it's essentially instead of like I suppose passive recovery is like when you're just sta static and stationary after a workout and you just let your body completely recover. Active recovery is like just like you mentioned, really. It's like moving around, walking. You might you might have a little flush out on the bike, or you might do a little bit of skipping. Just ultimately movement to sort of reduce lactic acid buildup in the muscles, eliminate like toxins, keep muscles flexible, moving, um, which sort of in theory just like reduces soreness and, and speeds up recovery. I don't know if, if you've read much on this, but I, I certainly think from from what we've done in our experience, it's it's a good certainly a good thing. Like once we've trained, don't just then sit for the rest of the day and, and stagnate. Get yourself out, get moving, um, because those muscles are going to go into recovery and the, the more mobile you can keep them, the the better in terms of your recovery process. Yeah. I I think um one important thing to remember as well is if you are having your actual sessions, um, sorry, let me start again. If you're training hard enough in your actual sessions, you should be thinking more about doing less for your recovery rather than trying to like actively recovering by doing more. If that makes sense. So first off, make sure that the majority of your focus is on your actual training and then say like, right, what could I actually do to be recovering better? The chances are that it's not going out for a run to flush out your legs. It's not sitting on the bike getting carried away. It's not doing like a light CrossFit wad in the gym that's just body weight. It's probably actually maybe doing a doing a bit of a walk um, and eating plenty, sleeping plenty, putting your feet up. Um, uh, I think that that's probably the best place to start. And um, there's a really good podcast on it. Um, the Real Science of Sport podcast. I can't remember the episode, but one of them is on recovery. And it's, they basically just go into the ins and outs of it. Um, and they mention a book, which is called good to go how to eat sleep and rest like a champion by christy ashwanden um yeah really really good book on on recovery um but yeah that's basically that's basically the crux of it a yeah. lot of stuff does not work for recovery um or at least it doesn't work as well as as previously thought stuff like ice massage stuff like that a lot of it is literally just allowing your body to do its thing um giving it what it needs in terms of calories protein sleep um, but I know the question specifically asked, you know, in the absence of quality sleep, didn't it? So maybe this person's perhaps like a, a parent, maybe, or something like that, or, or their job is like shift work based, maybe, and they, it doesn't allow them to get as much sleep as they'd like or good quality sleep as they'd like. 
So um, yeah, per perhaps that person could look at other stuff. So um, maybe making sure that they're eating properly and getting enough calories in, even though uh, a lot of people have this attitude that, well, if I'm not training on rest days, I don't need to eat as much, but actually calories play a really important part of the, um, of the whole recovery process, even on those days you're not training. Um, so making sure you're eating enough there, eating enough protein as well, um, putting your feet up, having naps maybe might help. Um, I think that's probably a good good place to start. Yeah, yeah, definitely. R rather than thinking about active recovery itself. Yeah, sorry, I'm just putting the lights on. Suddenly got suddenly got really dark here. That's all right, no problems. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and and speaking of that, we were talking earlier, weren't we, about um, you know why why there's this ethos in uh, it is in boxing really more than a lot of sports. Like people feel like you've got to get up and go for a run at half past four because somehow that shows some sort of machismo and actually gets you ahead of the game, but. It's kind of, um, I see a lot of overtraining in, in boxing, a lot of very old school methods. And it's not to say that they're wrong, but it's just, you know, we've moved on a little bit and there's this kind of weird modern ethos sort of came in about two or three years ago. Like people talk about 5am clubs and get up at 4.30 and, you know, beat the herd and do this. And by 6am by I've done 10k and I've done this. And it's like, the thing is, that's all very well if that works for you, but ultimately most of us need a certain amount of sleep for a lot of different processes to neurologically physically to, to be ready for the day ahead and if you're cutting that sleep short by a couple of hours you're not allowing your body to rest and recover in the way that it needs to it doesn't matter what you do in those two hours you're not going to be doing it to your to your best um, ability and you're not going to be actually ever really catching up with yourself because you're not letting yourself rest and these days i mean look i'm lucky because i'm self-employed and i don't set an alarm um, most days because my body naturally wakes up about sort of seven, half seven. But do you know what? If there are days where I wake up at nine for whatever reason, I just think, well, I obviously needed it because I wouldn't have slept in. And provided you're not wasting your day and, and waking up at like 11, 30, 12 o'clock, if you're getting up and doing what you need to get done in your time when you feel comfortable, that's all that really matters in terms of exercise and in terms of your work, in terms of your day. Don't feel under pressure just because everyone else is saying, oh, if you're not up at five o'clock, you're, you're getting behind. You're not. It's, it's as simple as that. You've got to do you and you've got to do things in your time when it's good for you. And, and believe me when I say I've done both. I used to live with three lads and we used to get up at half past five and we'd get in the gym that would open at 5.30 because we were in the city. And do you know what? It was good for a time, but actually over time it compounded and I felt that I was getting a bit ground down by it and mentally worn down by it and physically tired. And I wasn't recovering quite enough. And these days, um, I'm getting up a little bit later and I, and I feel good for it. So, yeah, that was just, that was the only other thing I had to, to add to, to, to that. No, I mean, it's a really valid point. There is, even though, as you say, um, it can seem like they're the macho and hardcore thing to do, getting up at 12 o'clock and getting into the gym. But actually, there's nothing magical about it. Fair enough. Granted, if that's the only, genuinely the only time of day you can get your training done, good for you that's that's obviously fine but you also then need to make sure that right i'm not just chopping off some um uh, hours of sleep in order to get that in you need to make sure that you're still getting the rest that you need uh, in order to actually make your, your training effective yeah yeah absolutely um right oh, this this is a really good one so we'll we'll split this question into two what's the most pointless training <laughs> program you've ever done <laughs> i i think i actually think the most pointless training i've ever done was when probably i didn't have a program in the early days and i didn't have a structure so in essence it's the absence of a plan and a program that's more pointless than a, than a plan because 
at least if you've got a plan, some sort of basic plan, you've got something to stick to, you've got measurable goals, you've got a structure, and you can then assess proper results at, on some level. Whereas the number of people that you, and you see it in gyms, like people walking around, hands on their hips going, what should I sort of do now? And you're thinking, mate, if you haven't got a plan, what, what's the point of you being here? So for me personally, it's not even so much what specific plan is, is the most pointless thing I've ever done. It's the absence of that in the early days where I had no plan. That was that was the biggest waste of my time. And if I could have those five or six years back from maybe 15 to 20, I would, you know, plan what I was doing, make measurable goals, use that, use the basic concepts that we've talked about through previous episodes of progressive overload, tracking your goals, planning, making sure you've got, you know, food in place and everything else. And, and if you've got those basics in place, you can't go too wrong. That's the... That's the crux of it all. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, so yeah, I, I would probably agree with you. The most pointless program is no program. Have you, have you ever done anything that you thought that was really shit? Yeah, I would say, how old would I have been? Probably about mm, 16, 17. Yeah. Would have done a program which would have been like a typical bro split. So obviously chest on a Monday. Obviously, you can't do chest on any other day. Um, here's, the thing, here's the thing, sorry to interrupt, but the mad thing about that is, is that if you go to a commercial gym and you plan to do chest on a Monday, for part of me thinks you're a bit stupid because it's like going on a motorway when you know there's going to be traffic. Like, you you know every bench is going to be full, so you get there and go, oh, well, yeah. plan, your, plan your workouts around when you know all the bros are going to be doing other things. Yeah, you get, get in the squat rack instead. Squat It'll probably rack. be empty. Yeah, yeah, it's usually... Um, Sorry, yeah, anyway. hey, no, no, it's fine. So, um, yeah, would have been typical bro split. Every single set taken to some sort of like sickening level of failure. On top of that as well would have been different forms of drop sets. So you're going beyond the point of failure, effectively. Um, your mates are helping you at the top of each rep on the bench press, lifting oh. weights you've got absolutely no business doing. So, you know, we've all, we've all been there, but if I'd have known what I'd know now, I wouldn't have bothered. Mad. I actually, it's really weird for me to think of you as having a time that you didn't know what you were doing, but then it actually is a good <laughs> reminder that ever because you're such a little oracle of knowledge now. And I just think, I think, oh, he's known it. He's been like Yoda for 150 years. He's known everything. But of course, we've all got to start somewhere, haven't we? Exactly. Yeah. We've all made mistakes, but you just got to learn from them, right? And learn from people who are more knowledgeable, experienced, and you say develop don't, and don't do stupid stuff in the gym. No, please. Basically. What's the second part of this question then? Uh, then the same question, but for supplements. So, what's the most pointless supplement you've ever had? Oh God! Have you you ever been down the down the route of like uh, expensive pre workout shakes or anything like that? No, mate. And the thing is, I I actually feel as though, and I think this is really again a similar kind of point. It's if you're you like too many people, I think use supplements almost as a a substitute for a good training program. Ultimately. You, hard work, uh, consistency, and a decent food plan are the, are the absolute underpinnings. But so few people have the basics in place and they're taking Jack 3D and this protein and that creatine and they're piling it all in and they're all walking around with their shakes, but they're not really grafting in the gyms. Like very rarely you see people really putting the work in, but they've all got their shakes and stuff. And it's great if you've got everything else in place and you're trying to get those those little marginal gains at the very top level, then cool. Look at where else you can you can make those gains in terms of nutrition, and maybe your pre workouts are going to help you with that. Whatever. But 
Mate, I mean, most people I don't think need a lot of that stuff, but for their own psychology, it's almost essential. Uh, but I think you need to train your mind to be strong and you need to get yourself up for your workouts. Nothing wrong, listen, you and I will often have a black coffee before a workout. And it's nice because I like coffee and you like coffee, but mm-hmm. I don't need coffee to have a good session. No, 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 of course. Yeah, you're not, you're not fooling yourself into believing that, right, this caffeine's going to absolutely make me tip top. And if yeah. I don't have it, the session's going to be shit. It's not how yeah, it works. Exactly. No, it's yeah. not how it works. And if you're listening to this, and any part of you thinking, shit, I'm actually reliant on my pre-workout. If I don't have it, I feel like my, my session's going to be worse. It's a lot of that's in your head. And yeah, there'll be certain things that might raise your heart rate and get your blood pumping and make you feel, but get yourself up for it. Talk, have a little chat with yourself. Think, right, I've got to do this. And even you and I, like these days, I, the one thing I've got from you is positive mindset. You never talk yourself out of a set. You're always positive. You're always fixed in. And if I even feel any doubt creeping in, I will chat to myself. And I'm aware I'm doing it. And you're aware I'm doing it. I'll go, yeah, good set. No problem here. We'll get these done. Absolutely no worries at all. And just that little chat, for me, that's my that's my pre-workout. So, yeah, I, I don't, listen, I'm not going to get into slagging off supplements and everything else i don't know enough about them but for me personally i just think if you're taking a whole load of supplements you need to have a hell of a lot of other stuff in place first and i'm going to bet that a lot of people listening to this advice and watching this for advice probably aren't at that point where they where they are well they have yeah exactly and i think also something to remember is that a lot of elite natural bodybuilders so people are at the top of their game as much hypertrophy as possible without the use of peds even those guys, the ones who really know their stuff, don't use supplements. Or if they do, it's very, very, very minimal. Like we're probably talking a bit of creatine, maybe some caffeine. And as those two supplements are some of the only ones that actually work, even those ones that work don't work to the degree that people think they're going to work. So yes, they've been demonstrated in studies to have a significant difference versus without those supplements, but the degree to which they work isn't like enormous. Is it, yeah. it just does not work like that. And I think people often placebo themselves um, to thinking like, oh yeah, this actually makes a massive difference. And it's more about the belief that it works versus the supplement actually doing its thing. But yeah. I mean, it, to actually answer the question, so when back again, back in the days of this like body part split training, so 16, 17, I remember there's there was this website I used to go on to loads called T Nation, American yeah. website. Yeah, yeah. And um, they used to sell their own supplements, but the problem was it's made in America. They didn't sell them over here. So the customs and stuff on it was like extortionate. But anyway, point was their marketing stuff was so good and so blatantly aimed at like probably 16 to like 16 to 25 year old lads. And I was like hook, line and sinker, right? I'm in. So what I used to try and do was rather than buy the supplement, I would try and find out what the individual ingredients were of the supplement and literally buy it like wholesale and try and make it myself in the kitchen. So my mum being the the wonderful supportive woman that she was would give me like my own cupboard in the kitchen. I'd have all (laughs) of this shit (laughs) stacked up in the kitchen, trying to like, look, looking like something out of Breaking Bad, like a drug lab with all these powders, (laughs) little like micro scales. And like, I, I really believed that this stuff was going to do the job. But of course, like it, it really doesn't like because I wasn't I was essentially focusing completely on the wrong things. And when you're like that age, you've got school to focus on. You've got growing up to focus on, you know, developing like personal relationships, all that kind of stuff. And your your focus and attention is very finite, a resource. 
and it, it was just completely in the wrong area. So if I'd have focused more on proper, decent training program, recovering well, eating enough, all of that supplements and stuff would have been just a, you know, complete waste of time. Yeah. I, 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 I could have, I could have done better elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so in, in that, in that very vein, this is quite a nice question and I have just made a little list. So someone's put, could you recommend a basic foods list that I should aim for, uh, doing some shopping this month? So, I mean, look, again, I know you would be keen not to make, make too many recommendations, but in terms of your basics, like if you've got stuff in your basket, things like rolled oats, eggs, cottage cheese, baked potatoes, um, and then your greens like kale, spinach, green beans, tomatoes, carrots. It's all like, it's all obvious stuff, but here's the thing I find. If my fridge is full of those things, I'll eat them. Whereas mm -hmm. if my house is full of mince pies and Jaffa cakes, like it has been for the last month, I'll eat those. And yeah. it's very hard to like, if you walk around a supermarket, it's easy to make bad choices, but actually make a shopping list of these things and try and stick to it because it's easy to get sidetracked by, as you say, but they sell things really well these days, but you need to get all your basic sort of fruits, veg and, and stuff in just that you can make decent choices. It's good. I like, have a little like, pot of hummus and some cottage cheese in there. So you've got something to dip your carrots in or whatever, but so that when you're snacking, you feel like oh, I've got stuff I can grab straight away. And then obviously, Things like, uh, so I've just got um, a Nutribullet, but getting yourself a blender. If you don't like constantly crunching through vegetables every day, make yourself some soups in the winter. It's great. Like, it's so easy to do as well. Get them softened up in a, in a pan, get them in the blender, whiz them, a little bit of seasoning, and you're away. You haven't got to be Gordon Ramsay to make to make nice um, nice soups, and you get all your nutrients and everything in there. Um, so, yeah, that's my, just in terms of the basics, get, get those foods in your fridge. And you'll find, oh, actually, they're, they're not so bad. But I think if people are a little bit scared of having a fridge full of vegetables. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, we're a product of our environment, right? If you set your environment up to be conducive to your goals, the chances are your goals are going to be that bit easier to achieve. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. And I think another good way as well is, you know, I, I agree pretty much with everything you said there. I, I try and say, right, I'm going to make sure I actually buy foods that I enjoy eating. Um, so I think a lot of, a lot of people do this in a lot of aspects. So they feel like if I have to suffer through my food choices, it's going to be more effective. And it's a really like weird phenomenon that I like find. So people think like, right, well, like I've got a meal prep because that's what people do. So I'm going to make sure I prepare all of my food in advance for the next five days. But by the time you get to that fifth day, that bit of broccoli sitting in a Tupperware, sweaty and horrible is going to be like absolutely disgusting don't like put yourself through something un unnecessarily. So make sure you're, you're buying foods that you like. If you like to cook fresh, go, go for it. Make sure that you've got foods that are easy to prepare that fit within your time constraints and just make it as easy as possible for yourself. And, and also try to also remember that if you, yes, it might seem like at the moment we've all perhaps overindulged over Christmas or, um, or just enjoyed some foods, which we perhaps wouldn't normally enjoy. Um, and then you get to January and you feel like, well, I need to cut them out completely now. Maybe sometimes that isn't always the best policy and you might actually find that your cravings are that bit stronger for having completely cut this kind of stuff out um, and yeah. actually just allowing yourself permission to eat the, the foods that you enjoy um, alongside, of course, having some, like you say, nice um, protein sources, starchy carbs, vegetables, um, just to try and get yourself having a little bit of balance. Yeah, of course. And, and like, like we just said at the very beginning of the episode, 
getting out and walking take a bit of pressure off your diet because every walk you do we do like what sometimes what four three four miles up to town and it's on a bit of a slope and it's it's i don't know how many calories you're burning in a walk like that but a few hundred and you get back and that's that's a, a little treat that you can eat if you want to have sort of a calorie free bit of food or, or whatever and that's that's the key you know the number of times i've spoken to people and they, they feel like they've got to go as you say cold turkey on a diet and i'll just go right what are you eating and drinking on a on a on an average day and they'll just go well i'm having a couple of cans of coke you know i'm having a couple of chocolate bars a couple of bags of crisps okay we'll just have one can of coke one chocolate bar one bag of crisps and then substitute for like something that is going to be decent for you so have some carrot sticks and hummus have whatever it is just just find yourself a substitute that is is a little bit more nutrient dense and you can still treat and actually at the end of the month you've had half of the shit food that you were previously eating and then if you combine that with going out for a, a walk take the dog out take the kids out three four miles every day or, or, or as many times a week as you can you're you're essentially gonna you know you're gonna burn huge amount more calories than you are at the end of the month you're going to be consuming a lot less and the calories you are consuming are going to be better for you so even with very very small changes like that that aren't going to put a massive dent in like you say your your sort of uh like how you feel about your food the way you feel like you're restricting your diet they're going to benefit you massively and they're not hugely difficult changes to make and the most important thing is they're sustainable so you're not going to suddenly go right i'm going i'm going to go on a massive binge again it's, it's, you're less likely to do that so yeah, make little changes, but make them consistently every day. That's probably the, the, the biggest thing you can do to get yourself back on track if you feel like you've slipped off a little bit, which most of us have in December. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and that's absolutely fine. You know, we, we don't need to be absolutely saintly in our behaviour all the time. I don't think anyone really is. Um, I think some people are a little bit better at adopting uh, balance than others, whether that's through choice or whether it's due to mental state or whatever it might be but it does you know it's the boring answer but it tend, the middle ground tends to be the best place to be at trying to do your best to adopt that balance yeah agreed um well i'm out of questions are you uh i have got two more and one is perfect to finish on so we'll do i'll, I'll do this other one first so um how do you maintain muscle mass with all the running volume that you do uh, so I, th I think this might have been a bit of a repeat of the one we did in our first episode, but we'll just go for it quickly again. So um, making sure that if your goal is to maintain muscle mass along with increasing your running, um, is making sure that you just do all that you can in order to actually to, to maintain your muscle mass. So if you were to just sack off weight training altogether, yes, you're going to expect to lose some muscle mass. However, you can retain muscle mass on surprisingly low training volumes. So as long as you're not expecting to gain a lot, you probably can uh, maintain muscle mass with like five working sets per week of a particular body part. Um, and also making sure that you are not perhaps doing more running volume than you need to progress. So a big thing that my coach puts in place for me for my running and my weight training is to make sure that he puts the minimum amount possible in order to progress into my program. So for example, if 50 kilometers of running per week is doing a job, why is he going to make me do 70? There's no real point in having that additional 20 kilometers in there because I'm making great progress on the lower volume, not putting as much stress on my body. It's not taxing my ability to perform other tasks. So therefore it's the perfect balance. Um, also making sure that you're eating enough calories, you're prioritizing your recovery as a variable as well. So it's not just all about getting the training in. Um, it's also about making sure you're recovering from said training. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's... Um, <laughs> That, that's pretty much the the general crux of it. And anything you reckon you could add to that? 
No, not particularly. Um, no, <laughs> basically. No, no, that's cool. No, I, I think that, that's the way to go. Is literally just to say, right, um, it, it's very difficult to uh, ride two horses with one ass. Like, it's really hard to have two separate goals and really excel at them. But there yeah. are... There are things you can do to, it's that word again, to get the balance right between the, between the two. And yeah. I have to say, like, I always knew it was possible, but I am surprised at how well, you know, with, uh, with Johnny's coaching and guidance, how well I've managed to uh, progress in both aspects, even though they're seemingly at completely opposite ends of the spectrum, you know, performing well in running and performing well in the gym too. But it is, so but it, it can is be done. It can be done, but it is also it must be worth promoting. It is hard work what you're doing. Like as in, I, I'm seeing the sessions you're doing on a regular basis, and and it's not for the faint-hearted. So it, it, if you're serious about progressing in both, you you need to understand like what you're getting yourself into because you're particularly mentally strong. You're very physically strong. You're I, I would say you're a very very good athlete all round. So you've you've worked hard, I know, and you've been very very disciplined with it. So. Yeah, if someone was serious about that, then I would I would kind of expect them to be a serious a serious trainer at a decent level. That's just not going to happen for for every single person out there. If I'm no, no, absolutely. But I I think that everyone has a a threshold of what they can tolerate. So there'll be people who can't tolerate as much training volume as me and like be up for it as much as me. But there are also going to be just as many people who can do better than I can and and handle more. And um, I think it's all about trying to. Uh, personalize what you're doing and if you struggle to do that yourself and not look to hire a coach you know it's what i do for a living yet i've still outsourced it onto someone else i think it's that important um yeah i think that's the best yeah. way of going about it and then look last question which i think is a really good way of rounding off because i think we're we're near the hour mark now um what are your goals for 2021 uh my goals oh my god do you want to go first have you thought about this uh yeah i mean so if you break it into different parts, goal number one, be able to see my family properly again. And I know that's obviously something which is very much out of our control right now, but that would be a fantastic thing to, to tick off in, in 2021, having like barely seen them at all throughout last year. Um, and then from work point of view, I, I want to get back into the point where the, the gym is reliably operational again. Yeah, we've been over the past 12 months, we've been open shot, open shot, very unsettling. Love to be in a position to um, uh, to get the, the gym open again. And as a new business, it's great to be able to thrive rather than just surviving. So at the moment, it is just a case of survival. You know, you're you're relying on um, not doing what you originally intended to do. So, for example, I'm doing a lot of my sessions uh, PTing over FaceTime and Zoom, and it's great because that technology is there and it's enabling me to work, but it's probably not the majority of my clients' first choice of method of, of training. So it'd be great to get back to seeing people in person again and you know doing what we're meant to be doing. Um, and then third, I'd say training-wise, I'd, I'd love to be able to hit this 666 challenge at some point in 2021. I think, you know, as we said in the first podcast or maybe the second one, whichever it was, um, it's not necessarily about, you know, ticking off said goal. Um, it's also about really, you know, taking pride and enjoying the, the journey and the process. But it would be great to really get myself into the best position as possible to to give that challenge a, a good crack. Yeah, good stuff, man. Awesome. And then, yeah, what, what would you say for for yourself? You got anything you want to you want to get achieved in this year? Yeah, specifically working on a documentary with a boxer called Carl Frampton at the moment. So we've got uh, we've got it 
he's, he's got a big fight. Well, we think probably March. So I'm sort of filming at the moment with him. Um, and I guess just trying to work around the challenges of, of now being in lockdown, how we're going to do that. But yeah, I've got to produce that. It's going to be five episodes by March. So that's going to take me through the first quarter of, of the year. I just want to make it as good as possible because he's a, he's a brilliant guy. And I think with documentaries and films, you can actually tell a story about who a person is. And it's my job. It's like being the artist painting a canvas. It's my job to put that story together with everything that we film and create something that shows him um, to, to be the person that he is. So I, I hope that's something I can get done in the time frame we've got with all the constraints that we've got upon us and look back and be proud of it. It's going to help to kind of launch our business because we've got, we've got like YouTube channels and things set up, but they're a little bit dormant at the moment just because of everything going on. Um, I want to, I'm, I'm just, I have this real like desire to get back to commentating on live boxing with a the crowd there. And I think, I took that for granted and having sat and called fights with just no one in the room it's been horrible and you actually realize how much you rely on people to create the atmosphere for you and to to guide you as to when are the big moments when are the lulls and actually taking that for granted perhaps before so just it's not really a personal goal because i don't have any control over it but i'm just really looking forward to sitting down hopefully one night this year with a full arena of people and really looking around and taking it in and really appreciating it and calling a big fight and thinking yeah i've enjoyed every single moment of this rather than just occasionally going through the motions and getting getting in that that familiar groove that we sometimes do when everything's good um and then training wise uh just want to get back to, to lifting properly as you know i've had a few injuries the last couple of years and um i feel i've gone back to basics in the last 12 months because i've had to and slowly but surely just making that that steady progress, not getting ahead of myself. Everything we've talked about these last few episodes, just gentle progressive overload and getting back to squatting properly, deadlifting properly and getting back to a decent level of strength and fitness. And it's kind of a six month plan. So by the summer, um, I wanna look at the numbers and think, yeah, that's, that's where I wanna be. So I think, yeah, those are the three, but also this year, managing your expectations, you know? Um, been, a, been a tough year. I, last year and I think this year we've got to just try and stay positive try and make sure that every day is you know not looking too far forwards and just being thankful for what you've got today being grateful for what you've achieved and where you've come and then you know making the most of whatever gets thrown at us in the next two or three months um, and just yeah try, trying to enjoy trying to enjoy it mate because we don't have a lot of control over the next quarter of a year maybe half a year do we no, exactly. I think that's the thing is it's just uh, keep focusing on putting one foot in front of the other, making positive steps forward in the, in the knowledge that we will get there eventually. But, you know, it's uh, it's anyone's guess as to when that's actually going to be. So, you, you know, you might as well, as you, you very well put, you know, take uh, take stock and, you know, just uh, try and enjoy and be, be grateful for what you've got going on now. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, we'll try and get out and go for a walk tomorrow, shall we, mate? Yeah, that sounds like a good plan, I reckon. But, uh, Beautiful. Bit of a Friday afternoon stroll. Yeah, lovely. Nice. All right, mate. Nice. Cool. Thanks, um, JB. Thanks, everyone, for, for listening as well. Um, we will hopefully have um, a couple of guests on in the next month or so. We're just working on people. But I think if, if they come off, there'll be people that you'll be quite excited to hear from. So, um, yeah, we'll have more information on that soon. We'll try and record another one of these in a couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, keep well, everyone. Have a, good, have a good positive January. Get out, get walking, get moving. Absolutely. Agreed. So yeah, guys, happy new year to everyone again and we'll speak to you all soon. Nice one. Take care, guys.